0: I'm gonna ask you a deceptively simple question. A decepticonly simple question? Yes. Okay. Even better. <laughs> Who gave the best performance in the movie? Oh my gosh. Frances McDormand, because she took it the most seriously and didn't go completely off the rails. People get into these movies and they're just like, how crazy can I act? <laughs> Lots of it because I'm a serious actor. Done. I, yeah, John Malkovich was a bit of a surprise. Oh, good night. I think the stunt actors. Oh, yeah. All 100 of them. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The <laughs> best performance of the movie. If only they because were none of them died. Driving to save the world from the evil Decepticons, the heroic Autobots are led by Optimus Prime. He's more than meets the eye. He's a robot in disguise. Going ballistic to destroy the Autobots and conquer mankind. The evil Decepticons are more than meets the eye. Transformers! (laughs) Heroic Autobots versus evil Decepticons with the fate of Planet Earth hanging in the balance. Transformers Transformers, Generation 2. Hi, I'm Rose. I'm Hannah. And this is More is More, the Bad Movie Podcast, where today we're talking about Transformers 3 Dark of the Moon, not. As most people misremember it, (laughs) Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, That would make sense. Dark of the Moon. I know. I I remember when this came out thinking that that was strange. Like, they were just trying too hard. They absolutely were. And their last name was super stupid also when you realize that the Fallen, Revenge of the Fallen, the Fallen's just a guy. Yeah. No, it should be Revenge of Megatron. Yeah, I know. I think that sounds way too retro. I know <laughs> they're not going for that. Yeah, well, it's not abstract enough. Yeah, Vige of the Fallen. Because they do. I always- thought it was Megatron actually, because he had he was in the abyss. The I know the whatever part of the ocean he was in. Well, this is their problem. Like, again, they they not only do they not let go of any characters that were in previous films, Mm -hmm. they keep adding them. Although they've killed off an insane number of people just in this movie alone. Yeah, I know. But it wouldn't be a real Transformers movie if we didn't begin with some Optimus Prime voiceover. Oh, Peter Cullen. Tell us how it is. As we all may remember from the previous two movies, there was a war on Cybertron and the Autobots were losing. Please tell me that we're going to retcon weird stuff about the war again. Uh, oh, yes, And we what are. it was actually about. Yeah, in case you're wondering, the Transformers have spent a lot of time throughout history on Earth. Oh my gosh, that was my thing with this movie. How does everything Transformers related end up on Earth? Like, How is this the only planet in the entire universe that Transformers have spent other amounts of time on? Because in the first movie, they act like, oh, well, the cube just crash landed on Earth. So then Megatron also crash landed on Earth, trying to find it. Well, then it's like, no, the Fallen was already there. Building pyramids. Building the, pyramids. The Primes were there building pyramids. Right. Oh, yeah, the Primes and then the Fallen. What? It What is was one of on? Yeah, it was one of the Primes. Now we get, and we don't actually get this this far up, so spoiler alert. We get the... <laughs> spoiler alert from the spoiler that we were going to give you later if you haven't seen this. Exactly. <laughs> is that a Transformer has also crashed on the dark side of the moon. Mm-hmm. But in the opening voiceover, we just get that there was a war on Cybertron, the the Autobots were losing, the Autobot ship with a secret cargo that was the final hope of their kind was trying to escape from the war, but was shot down by Decepticons. End of opening voiceover. Seems really weird to have it when we don't even get a segue into Earth at all. But then we see in New Mexico in the 60s, scientists have detected something landing on the dark side of the moon. I don't know how. I guess it was space trash that just wound up here. I, I guess there's no explanation because it was shot down right outside of Cybertron. I watched it again to be sure. See, and that doesn't make sense because further spoiler alert, he was supposed to meet Megatron on Earth. Oh, you're right. There's a lot of So that doesn't even make sense either, because then, clearly, Megatron was planning to be on Earth from when he was on Cybertron. Even though he was clearly just looking for the cube in the first movie. Yeah, and, like, crash-landed on Earth. Yeah. Oh, side note, by the way, we should mention that this movie is based on a Transformers novel that Alan Dean Foster wrote. Alan Dean Foster? Come on, man. I love that guy. He's written a lot of novels of popular you know, franchise stuff. Yeah. And this is one of them. And in the novel, this the whole thing took place in the 60s. It's not related okay. to the movie series. Gotcha. They repurposed it into this movie. Okay, he wrote one of my favorite books, Midworld, which was also Based on Transformers. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I know. I actually recognize his name because of the midworld being on Mom's bookshelf. Oh, yeah. So in the 60s, scientists detect something landing on the dark side of the moon. This spurs JFK and NASA in the space race to get a manned mission to the moon before Russia. Just so they can check out what this thing is. Because they're right. not sure. The first astronauts, after they landed, had a secret mission to investigate the crash site. So they discover the crash site. And Sentinel Prime, the, you know, the body of Sentinel Prime, they don't know who it is, of course. Right. The astronauts conclude everything on the ship is dead, but this is evidence that we are not alone. Which, hold on, we already know. There's already been the Hoover Dam built around Megatron. Uh, These are different secret government divisions, (laughs) Hannah. Oh my gosh. How many times is the government going to realize that we're not alone and like have their minds blown separately? Yeah. They do bring down a fuel cell, though. Mm -hmm. Then there's a confusing shot where we show the body of Sentinel Prime again, still on the moon in the 60s, and his eye lights up. And I thought he was, like, legit waking up. Like, he'd come back to life. It wasn't. It was just just the way they could show the title. I was going to say transition to the title, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. After the title... We cut to a shot of Sam's new girlfriend, Carly. We may not immediately recognize her because what we actually cut to is a shot of her butt being exposed by the very short nightshirt she's wearing. Although, if you follow Victoria's Secret fashion shows, you might still recognize her. <laughs> Rosie Huntington-Whitley, fiancé of Jason Statham. Megan Fox was originally supposed to reprise her role, but because of conflicts between her and Michael Bay... Notably the one where she compared him to a Nazi in an interview. She was replaced by Rosie Huntington-Whitley, who isn't a great actress, at least in this this role. I've never seen her in anything else except for Mad Max Fury Road, and she barely had anything to do in that one, so I have no idea. But she's a lot better in it. She was better. We're also supposed to accept that Sam is in a loving relationship. This is also just part of the laziness of Mm -hmm. the screenplay, in that we're supposed to accept that Sam is in a loving relationship with this girl to the exact same extent that he was in a loving relationship with Michaela. There's a bit of an explanation as to what happened to Michaela. She dumped Sam. End of story. Yeah, I wouldn't call it an explanation. Like, obviously something happened. It's the only explanation we get. I know! Uh, Sam is supposed to have met Carly before. We do see a bit of a flashback to it. But they basically met and started dating I, if I was Sam, I would question why so many really attractive ladies were wanting to date me. Especially Especially when we see his moves, which are garbage. And he has no job and no money. Oh, I know. He's bumming off of her living in her awesome, hang on, her awesome DC loft? Lofts in DC don't look like that. Yeah. So Carly and Sam have a conversation. Sam's feeling down about having saved the world twice, but being underappreciated and unemployed. Carly is successful. She doesn't seem to care or mind that she's basically keeping him. Yeah. He Sam wants to work with the Autobots, doesn't understand why he isn't allowed to, even though he didn't seem to care at all about that when he was going to college. Yeah, he could not get away from Bumblebee fast enough before... Yeah. And then we get a flashback to him getting a medal from the president. Right. So this is where he met Carly because she was some sort of intern on the British embassy. Yes. Because she's British. And Obama's giving him a medal. He spots Rosie Huntington-Whitley across the room, (laughs) is very confident in his ability to go snag this lady, which, to be fair, he does, (laughs) with terrible moves and classic hilariousness he breaks a crystal bowl
1: mm-hmm. that was sitting
0: there because he puts his hand down on something and then, like, the whole table flips up. Here's what happened. It was on a music stand. <laughs> I, I promise you, the only thing looking at it that makes sense, I rewound it, I think that bowl was sitting on a music stand. <laughs> and that's how they were like, oh, that's how it fell. Okay, then they were asking for it. I think that the writing was so lazy that they were like, how do we get this bowl broken? Just put it on a music stand. Easy. <laughs> we go back to present day. Carly and Sam are making out. And then Brains, a new small Decepticon, who we find with out is hair. the... there, we're there. We find out he's the sidekick of Wheelie. Who from the last movie, the small Decepticon from the last movie? Right. He interrupts the makeout session. Yeah. Carly is very unhappy about this, and generally about Brains and Wheelie living with them. Well, I agree with this. I would be too. And also, if Sam's not allowed to work with the Autobots, why are Brains and Wheelie with him? They make it sound like they're political refugees, which I don't understand. Because if they've switched sides effectively, then why can't they be with the other Autobots? And the Autobots in Nest are never hostile to them. They're just shown as not being there for some reason. Even though we've seen that Wheelie is an effective agent. Yeah. And we also see them watching Star Trek Um, So we get a bit of a Spock cameo. Woo! Not the last one in this film. Yes. Sam leaves his apartment to go on interviews, only to run into his parents, who have been on a world tour. Just in case you were wondering if we could have a movie without Sam's parents in it. We cannot. No. And they will get dumber every time we see them. Yeah. They also decide to just stay for a long time, even though Sam is in interviews and starting a new job. His parents don't really make choices. They just, like, (laughs) have brain (laughs) fires. Their synapses fire and they do stuff. Yeah. Sam's car is this old beater because Bumblebee is now on missions. And he's kind of mad about that. But he can't get his car started to go to these interviews, so his parents drive him. We leave Sam for a while to go back to Optimus Prime, who's talking about how Earth is now better protected against the Decepticons. They have Energon sensors around various cities and buildings so that they'll know if Decepticons are around. So now the Autobots have time to interfere in human conflicts around the globe on okay. behalf of America to prevent mankind from bringing harm to itself. How obnoxious on a scale of 1 to 10 did the Autobots seem right now? Was it 15? It was close. Also, how dare you take away our agency to screw our own lives up? Yeah. If we want to, trust me, we will find a way. Yeah. And... Let's not forget, Autobots aren't really that much better. Oh, right? Like, you couldn't fix your own planet. You're here because your planet died in a huge war that you lost. Exactly. There's an action scene with Bumblebee and a new Italian Autobot who's named Dino. Although apparently, according to the Wikipedia page, he's also named Mirage. That must be the toy. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. They're in the Middle East fighting terrorism. Josh Jamal meets with a Russian informant who says they've been experimenting with alien technology at Chernobyl. So, Nest goes to investigate. Everyone waits to put on protective gear until they're literally inside the facility because that's the way radiation works. Oh, yeah, they go, this place isn't livable for another 20,000 years. But, yeah, and he's like, I'm going to put this on once I get inside a building, which theoretically might offer me more protection from radiation, like, inside the building. They find a metal case with Sputnik markings that's emitting energon readings. The Decepticon shockwave, who is new, not Soundwave, unrelated to Soundwave, who's also in this movie. Oh, guys, come on. I know. Shockwave shows up with his pet Decepticon, Driller, who's Mm -hmm. like a giant worm. Uh, They attack, but Optimus forces them to retreat. Optimus recognizes the thing in the metal case as an engine part from a long-lost ship. Uh I wonder what ship he could be talking about. They're spied on by the Decepticon Laserbeak, another new Decepticon, who looks very much like a condor. That thing was stupid looking. Laserbeak kills the Russian informant who told Nest about this. After thanking him for his service to He's the a Decepticon. Pleasure working with you. Like he like okay, here's when people say that in the tone that he said it, like he was pulling one over on him, like, I guess you did, you just murdered him. Yeah. Here's when you say it like that. When they're still alive and don't realize that you've pulled one over on them. Yeah. Like you don't say it after you murdered them. Yeah. We go back to Sam who's having a series of bad but hilarious interviews. Am I right? Aren't they hilarious? (laughs) They were not, Rose. (laughs) What film were you watching? Before he has an interview with John Malkovich, who's just the worst in this movie... Yeah. And really pointless. you could have taken oh. his character out completely and it wouldn't have changed. No, I said this when I was watching and I was like, if he doesn't show up again at the end and do something useful, yeah. I am going to lose it. Spoiler alert. He does not. And he, their version of making him quirky was like, oh, look at what a toxic workplace environment he's created. Look how bonkers he is. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, he's just the biggest jerk you've ever met. Why is this funny? Yeah. There are actually people like this and they're terrible. This is a movie that is filled, again, like the last one, filled with characters that are these huge personalities that Mm -hmm. aren't especially funny, but take a lot of time and energy from the viewer to establish and C and all of this stuff who don't contribute anything meaningful to the plot or hardly anything meaningful to the plot. And yet we have to waste all this time on their eccentricities because they're supposed to be hilarious. Yeah. Him, John Turturro, Alan Tudyk. It's like the director said, make a choice. Chang. that feels too big and then go farther. Yeah. And whoever Chang is. The yeah. Actor? Ken Jeong. Yeah. Ken Jeong. Yeah. Um, Michael Bay said in an interview about the movie He said, one thing we're getting rid of is what I call the dorky comedy. What? He was referring to the twins, Mudflap, and Skids being gone. That's not dorky comedy. That was racism. Well, yeah, it's not dorky comedy, but also everything else that's left into it is the exact same type of comedy that mudflap and skids was if that's what he qualifies as dorky comedy that's every bit of comedy that's in the movie yeah anyway sam gets hired by john malkovich because he received a recommendation from the board so now he works in the mail room at this company that specializes in telecommunications and aerospace question mark how do they still have a mail room with this many employees in it right and also who's on the board that recommended him we I later find out it's Patrick Dempsey. Oh, I wasn't sure. I thought for sure it had to be John Turturro. No, no, it's it's Patrick Dempsey. Okay. Who we haven't come up against yet. I can't believe he's in this movie. It's but. Biz- there are so many of those in this one, though. Mm-hmm. Frances McDormand. I can't believe she's in this movie. Yeah. Sam visits Carly at work and meets her creeper boss, Patrick Dempsey. He's not so much a creeper as, like, overly friendly. Patrick Dempsey is clearly super into Carly. He's given her a well-paying job that, as far as I can tell, she's not qualified for. It's maintaining his antique car collection. The problem is this this role was originally written for Michaela, and Michaela would have been oh. able to maintain an antique car collection because of her mechanic father. Right. They shoehorned it in that Carly is doing this because, I guess, she's just good at business stuff. That's true. Um, Megan Fox was already being prepped for the role when she got taken out of it. Yeah. So, But Patrick Dempsey is clearly super into her and she is oblivious to it. And I feel like she can't possibly be as oblivious as she is because she doesn't seem to think that anything, she's not giving Sam this kind of like, oh, I just put up with him because I get paid so well. Like. She yes. seems to find all of this behavior completely acceptable. So the way that I would take that, and, and I, I, this is too deep for this movie, but the way that I would take that if this was real life is that she wouldn't want to admit to herself that that's what was happening because she's getting paid so well, she has a great job, it makes her seem like Sam is just the guy she can hold on to right now, but she's really, like, planning on marrying Patrick Dempsey in the near future. Like, <laughs> ah, I didn't get that It's vibe. this weird thing of she doesn't seem to have any problems with the way Patrick Dempsey is treating her, which is clearly, like, I don't, I don't like this relationship at all, and I don't yeah. know why it bothers me so much. Because normally I don't really care about it, but I think it's how oblivious she seems to it, which is completely unrealistic. Yeah. Back at NEST, Frances McDormand shows up. She's the director of national intelligence. She is our current unlikable bureaucrat. And guess who her assistant is? It's only Lane from Gilmore Girls. She looks the same as she has for the last, like, 20 years. (laughs) The role itself is slightly more nuanced than the last unlikable bureaucrat we had. But really, she's there to serve one purpose, which is to create unnecessary obstacles and slow the plot down. Yeah, exactly. Frances McDormand gives Optimus a quick brief on the moon mission and what they found there, which we have already seen. Optimus and Ironhide go to the moon to inspect the Ark, which is the ship that was blown up. Trying to leave Cybertron. As far as I can tell, they don't question how it made it to Earth's moon. They never question how anything ends up on Earth. Yes. Like, when you think about it, it's not weird at all that all of the remaining robots are here on Earth. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's where everyone has ended up. True. Well, yeah, because the last movie, there was no reason it specifically needed to be Earth. Uh, No. They were just going to blow They just needed to blow up a sun. Yeah. They retrieve Sentinel Prime and go back to Earth. Hold, Hold on. While saying, you're coming home. (laughs) They do say that. Your planet is destroyed. He's not going home. None of you are ever going home. And I don't believe, with as old as you guys are, I don't believe that you now view Earth as your home. Yeah. This is also around the time when they wind up meeting Buzz Aldrin. Yeah, Buzz Aldrin says it's an honor. And then Optimus Prime says, the honor is mine. Yeah. How? How is the honor yours? Yeah. Buzz Aldrin is a big deal to you? Are you serious? (laughs) Yeah. You who've known about space travel for millennia. Yeah. It was Peter Cullen's favorite part of the movie because he probably got to meet Buzz Aldrin for real. I get that. I don't get the space traveling robot that's like billions of years old thinking that's a big deal. So now we get Megatron for the first time in the movie. He lands on a base in Africa. He's got a bit of a... A cloth over his head because he's oh. still damaged from right. the battle in Egypt. He continues wearing this cloth even when it's not over his head. He wears it like a cape. Confusing? Yes. Well, you know what's really confusing? That the cloth is apparently somehow mechanical. Because when he transforms from a car, the <laughs> cloth materializes on his head. Oh my gosh, you're right. This is so ridiculous. Also, I don't know why he thinks wearing a cloth is going to be less conspicuous than being visibly damaged. Oh yeah, like like no, like some robots might not know about it yet. Yeah, it's like wearing a cast on your arm to hide the fact that you have a broken arm. Like it doesn't, like people already know. <laughs> yeah. Starscream is at the base waiting for him. He is still the worst. Oh, we had I'm such high sh- hopes for you, Starscream. No, he has not changed from his first character change where they turned him into a sniveling coward. Yes. And kowtowing so and so. Yes. Soundwave, or possibly Shockwave, it was a little bit difficult to keep track. And you know like- what? You know what Soundwave and Shockwave needed <laughs> ethnic accents. <laughs> Actually, that would have been helpful. Well, maybe they were on to (laughs) something. Except that I would have had to remember which ethnicity was Soundwave and which one was Shockwave. So that's also the problem. When you throw all of them at you at once, Mm -hmm. you can't process which one is which. It only works if there's one of them. Yeah. And actually, the reason I had such an easy time recognizing Dino was because he was red. Like, the color was more helpful than the accents were. Soundwave and Laserbeak report in that the Autobots have discovered the base on the moon and returned with the cargo. Which is Sentinel Prime and also Five Pillars. Yes. Which we'll explain later. Megatron orders Laserbeak to kill all human collaborators, including some employees at Sam's new company. <gasps> dun dun dun! <laughs> so shocking. I know. Um, Here's the deal with Decepticons in this movie. hmm Now that they can have hair, they also have saliva sometimes. <laughs> You're right. It's weird. Yeah. Because in previous movies, they would at least try and keep it to be mechanical things, so it'd be lubricant or oil. Yeah. But they've kind of just stopped even trying for that. Yeah, and in this movie, they actually changed some of the, uh, like in, in fight scenes later, we see that their fluid is red. Yeah, I saw I was like, what is that? Because they want it to look like blood, like they want you to feel more viscerally. I think they realize that, like, it's hard for people to care a whole lot about robots getting destroyed. And they were like, well, let's make their blood red. Yeah. So then we see Sam at his first day at work. It's awful. Of course, Carly visits him in a two hundred thousand dollar car given to her by her boss. It's a work car, so she doesn't see a problem with it. And that here's my question. You need to find out exactly who else at your company has a $200,000 work car. $200,000. And it's got the car door that opens up instead of out. And it's like Practical. a really cool looking car. Like, this is not a company car. And the fact yeah. that she can't see that and at least acknowledges, oh, I know, but I really like the car, Yeah, makes me so angry. I know. Then we see that Chang is stalking Sam. I don't remember what his name is in this movie. Me either. So it's going to be Chang from here on out. I think it was maybe Wong, but it's hard to think of him as anything other than Chang. So Chang from Community or Mr. Chow from The Hangover. Yes. Playing the same part he always plays. Oh, he's constantly the crazy person. Yes, and of course dialed up for 11 because we don't see him very much. So he has to fit a lot into a little... He's seen Sam in pictures with the Autobots, so he knows who he is. He gives him secret information on the dark side of the moon, which says that the Autobots are in danger. This, by the way, is while he has jumped on top of him on a toilet. Yeah. I mean, this is that thing of Chang. Yeah. Ugh, it's, and it is his style of comedy. It is. I mean, it's why they hired him for this. It's, But it's so awful. It's so obnoxious. And it it's is. It's not funny. No. So Sam goes over the information and then tries to talk with Chang about it in his office. But Chang sends him away under the most suspicious circumstances possible. Like he's grabbing something on his desk. He's acting really panicked. He's saying like, I don't know what you're talking about. Get out of here. And Sam's just like, oh, okay, And And he's also clear that he's in great physical pain. Yes. Almost seems like electrical pain in his leg. And he's like, it's fine. It's a leg grip. Yeah. And Sam's just like, "Okay," And leaves. Yeah, So maybe maybe we know why he's not working with the Autobots Yeah, he's a real dummy He's never not been a dummy <laughs> yeah. Which is why it's always been so weird before When the Autobots are like, no one else will listen to us Sam, will they listen to you? And it's like, well they shouldn't Yeah, If they are listening to you, they're sure to be fired Like the last guy that did, yeah. John Turturro So now we get what I think is the weirdest scene in the movie Correct me if I'm wrong Chang is killed by Laserbeak in his office. Yeah. But this happens by, he argues with Laserbeak, and then he pulls he out two guns from his waistband, <laughs> points them at him like Laserbeak, points them at Laserbeak like he's a gangster. Who wants some chicken dinner now, b***h? And then gets pushed out a window by Laserbeak, and then falls to his death. He never fires the guns. That was his it is, first mistake. <laughs> it is so out of character of this movie to pull two this feels like it had to be improvised by chang yeah because pulling two guns out of your waistband like that when you're a sniffling businessman is so out of character for even this movie yeah it really is it's weird Laserbeak disguises himself as a printer in the office because he's calm and collected under pressure which is why he then attacks the man who tries to use him to scan a document i did not notice that yeah he and then he runs away and sam is now aware that something fishy is going on because he's super smart sam goes to nest headquarters with carly which is disguised as the health and human services building the guards won't let him in and sam goes nuts Oh yeah, he knows the best way to deal with government officials that don't want to let you do something. Just yell at him a whole bunch. They love that. Try it with cops too. Yeah, he's like, he's yelling like he's a crazy person. He's trying to run his car through the gate. He's yelling about let me talk to Optimus Prime. This is not the way to get to into a super secret building. Also, why did he bring his girlfriend along? This isn't Michaela, guys. Do you remember how this is a completely different character? She has no relation. She's never met the Autobot. I think she's met Bumblebee, but she doesn't know any of the Autobot. She wasn't involved in any of the previous battles. Yeah. Why did you bring your girlfriend? There was a reviewer who thought that Sam in this movie was a parallel to the way Michael Bay felt about how bad the reviews were in the last movie. Oh, what? That he was underappreciated. Oh. That he was being criticized for no reason. That he wasn't, No one. you know, the, these things. And, well, I, and it's hard to not see that mm-hmm. in the movie once you've read it. No, that's really true. Especially since Sam keeps saying it a whole bunch. And he also, like, especially with, like, these are all the things I did. Because these movies made so much money. Yes. So hundreds of millions of dollars. Yes. He was unhappy, though, at the number of Razzies the last Transformers movie was nominated for. Oh, exactly. So I can see him being like, these did so well, how dare you say they're terrible. Yeah. Yeah. That may have (laughs) colored. may have colored a bit of my view on this film, but the problem is, when Sam is literally just yelling, that's not a script thing, that's a director thing. You could have easily shot this film where Sam is just trying to reason with the guards and get in the gate, the way Sam's character does. He was pretty angry in this whole movie. But yeah, the anger level of this, it was like a child throwing a tantrum. It was bizarre. Yeah. Because when he finally gets over it, he's angry, but in a different way. Yeah, Bumblebee comes up, And it's like, oh, hey, Sam. Like, no, I know this guy. You could let him in. And Sam's like, oh, hey, Bumblebee. It's been a long time since I've seen you. You don't have time to just come around the garage and hang out sometimes on your super secret missions. And I'm like, I'm sorry. In the last movie, Bumblebee was crying, literally crying about being left behind while you went to college. And you were just like, tough beans. You sound like you're mad that your ex-girlfriend has a new boyfriend. Yes. And isn't there at your beck and call anymore? Well guess what? Bumblebee has worth. He deserves yeah. to be happy. <laughs> he has people who appreciate him now. And now Bumblebee feels bad about having a job. Bumblebee's so emotionally abused in this movie. Yes, <laughs> he is. I didn't care for this scene either. As you can tell, it made me <laughs> <laughs> made me really upset on Bumblebee's behalf. Yeah. But Sam still gets let into the super secret nest headquarters with Carly. Yeah, why wouldn't you let some guy and his girlfriend, who one of whom seems very unstable, into the <laughs> just, just because an Autobot says, "Yeah, I know this guy." <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so they go into the building. Sam tells Josh Jamel about what happened. Francis McDormand starts quibbling about security clearances. Too what? late. Classic bureaucrat. This is too late. For one thing, he already knows way too much about the Autobots and the Decepticons. You're not at least going to listen to what he has to say. Nope. Like, no, get out. And you're not allowed to even be near Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime, chances are, is just going to drop by his house one day. You yeah, can't I know, control right? that. And like drop some major secrets on him. So then we Sam is not a witness to this. He's just hanging out in an office somewhere. But we do show now... Optimus bringing Sentinel back to life with the Matrix of Leadership. I still can't get over that name. It's the worst name I've ever heard. (laughs) It does sound like it was invented for a children's cartoon. So that's accurate. Or like Six Sigma business leaders. Like, it's so boring. The Matrix of Leadership. (laughs) You're totally right. Children aren't going to hear that and think that's something I want. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is such a minor point. I know why they didn't explain it, but I was a little bit confused as to whether Optimus had a matrix of leadership because it was the one that Sam brought him back to life with, or if he had a matrix of leadership because he's a prime and can manifest them at will. Please let him just have, like, five in his pocket at all times. <laughs> yeah, because we know that the matrix of leadership is not a tangible object that can be passed from person to person. Yeah. When it's not convenient. Well, yeah, no, that, that would have been great if, like, he yeah. gets brought back to life and he's just like... Oh man, I hate that you went to all that trouble. I have like three of them right here. If you had just reached into my pocket, man, <laughs> yeah, they're right here. It kind of felt like he just has an, an infinite supply. Like he can just conjure up of leadership when, matrices of leadership Thank whenever you. he wants. Sorry. I was going to say something. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Optimus catches up Sentinel on everything that's been happening. And Sentinel says they once had hundreds of pillars. So, oh man, if I knew what a pillar was, that would mean something to me, <laughs> right? Well, I'm going to tell you what a pillar is. <laughs> okay. The pillars make a space bridge, which can be used for teleportation. Optimus says it can be used for good. Francis McDormand says it can be used for evil, which is literally true of any road. You're talking about yeah. a road. You can transport anything down a road. Yeah. Francis McDormand's just like, I don't like it. I don't trust it. I don't understand it. I don't care for it. And bring more aliens back because that's going so great. I (laughs) feel like we're just going to attract more homeless aliens. (laughs) (laughs) McDormand then goes to meet Sam in her office. Uh, He sends him home with protection in the form of Bumblebee and then declines his help, saying, you're not a soldier, you're a messenger. Which is weird because he actually has very few messages. He has not, I would not have defined his role throughout these movies as that of a messenger. No, and he also was instrumental in winning several actual physical battles. Yeah, so a bit of an odd comment. Yeah. Except that they bring it up later. This is just a point they, they would like to use. So Sam decides to be responsible about this whole thing and go get help from John Taturo. Who we may remember is our as our unstable former Sector Seven agent from the last two movies. Who I was hoping to not have to see in this. Well, too bad. Yeah. We meet John Turturro in his mansion where he is on the O'Reilly Factor, and there is a an unidentified old man in in camera yeah. on his side that's just walking around. Is it like cleaning maybe a little bit. Maybe. I don't- He doesn't look like he's cleaning a whole lot. He looks like he's just walking around and picking stuff up slightly from off the floor. <laughs> yeah. I really feel like you should clear the doddering old men out from the room before you do a live television interview. It can't be that hard. Close the door. Yeah. <laughs> We find out after the interview ends, John Turturro is now independently wealthy for some reason. No explanation as to how this happened. No, but he got that cash and now he's got a mansion and the worst servant in the world. Yes, Alan Tudyk is his personal servant. Oh, I forgot about that guy. I was just talking about the old man. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a litany of terrible (laughs) servants. Alan Tudyk is his assistant and he's not really terrible he could have been far worse although it is again a per- an it's unnecessarily a complicated personality for a, an unimportant character in the movie he apparently played a very similar german role in 28 days and which i've never seen no but he said in an interview that he decided that this was just like the same guy oh you know I was confused. I thought that maybe he wasn't German. So his name, his character name is Dutch. I thought maybe this was actually a Dutch accent. Oh. And that's why he was called Dutch. I was, I I was torn on whether he was German or Dutch, which would have, theoretically have a similar accent. It's a Germanic language. Uh, Yeah, kind of. And it's not such a great German accent that I felt it could be nothing else. It's not great. I mean, he, he plays a ridiculous man who appears to have a backstory that we are never privy to, but seems important to his character. And I know. that that's weird. Yeah, we get a lot of weird hints towards a backstory that's overly complicated for yeah. once again a side character. We do know, though, we will find out he is an expert in electronics and combat. Yeah, I mean, I, I okay, based on the two servants we've seen so far, assistants, <laughs> I feel like the Craigslist ads that, that John Turturro puts out are wildly misleading. <laughs> Needs old man with no (laughs) skills. Needs communications and military expert. Done. He's struggling with anger issues from the past. (laughs) I guess so. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, Sam tells John Turturro about all of the stuff he's found out about the dark side of the moon. Then we get a cutscene that I'm just I'm just gonna do it in the order it was shown in because this it is so bizarre. Is, this cutscene, no other word for it. Yeah, it's so bizarre. You feel like something's gonna happen and then it doesn't. Mm-mm. Optimus takes Sentinel Prime out to the desert, mm-hmm. unspecified desert. Optimus offers Sentinel the la- the matrix of leadership and to continue leading the Autobots as he did before he was dead. he was dead yep but sentinel prime refuses saying no this is your world now they're your autobots you get to be leader that's it that's the entirety of the scene it's weird because it never comes up again. And the stuff that happens later makes it seem even more strange. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's stupid. For what Sentinel wants, he should have taken it. Yeah, now also would be a good time to mention, I was going to mention it earlier, but then I forgot to, Sentinel Prime, the reason the Star Trek thing was shown before for Spock, is that Sentinel Prime is voiced by Leonard Nimoy. I will overlook your condescending tone if you heed the gravity of mine. Now we go back to Sam and everyone. Doing um, re- Rose. Oh, no! where has Sam taken all these giant Autobots to be stored? Is it his apartment? Oh, Oh, okay. Not the choice some people would have made. Got it. Are they breaking everything? <laughs> yes. Okay. Maybe he got confused because the two that he's been living with are so small. Yeah. <laughs> Sam and his friends are doing research. They discover that... There are humans who are working for the Decepticons, and now the Decepticons are trying to hide something. They find out, also, that these humans have been working for the Decepticons since the 60s. If the Decepticons have been on Earth since the 60s, why did it take until the first movie for anyone to find Megatron? Yeah. Or the Cube, which they were apparently searching for. That would make more sense? The only thing that that would explain is why... Soundwave was in the atmosphere to hear what the Autobots were saying when they found it. Yeah. In the first movie. But everything else makes no sense. It's kind of implied that the Autobots found Megatron, like found Earth, came to Earth, and were scouting it out before the Decepticons were. Yeah, exactly. But that's not true. The Decepticons have been on Earth since the 60s. (laughs) Well, since way before that. But yes since the 60s. Well, yeah. I mean, in force. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Working on this particular plot. I'm sure the next movie will discover that they've actually been here since the 20s. Right. Working on an even more elaborate plot. And also then the next movie will see that they were actually here like when homo sapiens first started and they were building something else and blah blah. Yeah. Them. Yeah. It's it's certainly making the timeline extremely confusing. Yeah. So Sam and his friends find cosmonauts who are hiding in America. Carly, like, they've defected and now they're hiding in America. Carly walks in and gets mad because Sam forgot about the dinner they were supposed to go to. You know, the one with her boss. How dare you spend time saving the world when we have a dinner engagement that you promised you would go to? Women. Oh, man. Always. Don't you hate it when you're you're trying to save the world and your girlfriend just doesn't get it? Yeah. Then we find out that she's actually mad at Sam for being in danger. Because her brother was killed in a war. Her soldier brother. Yeah. Who, it's implied, is known by Josh Jamel. Because he says earlier that she's from a military family. Guess what, guys? I know the British and the Americans get along real well. Not the same military. Yeah, I know. They wouldn't know each other. (laughs) No. Carly leaves in a huff. Her character is way worse than Megan Fox's. It's ever was. I miss Megan Fox so much. For a lot of reasons because, and that's weird. Yeah cause also because the relationship was never established I don't care about it at all I don't buy for a second that they're soulmates. I don't Mm-mm. I feel like they should probably break up cause they have nothing in common. Yeah agreed just go back a little bit previously when bumblebee is is brought back by sam john malkovich stops by and sees the robot and he's like oh let, let me see it you gotta let me see it you gotta let me see it this is the reason i was so angry that he didn't show up again because it's weird enough that he was in it at all and like was this weird thing but then they made it seem like he was gonna come back again so they had him come back for the dumbest scene in the world where he tries to box with bumblebee Yeah. And I was like, okay, so now he's not only a huge jerk who's horrible to people and creates toxic work environments, but he also clearly has deep-seated insecurities and needs to prove a lot because he's going to try to box a robot. Do we also even know why he shows up at Sam's house? Sam works in the mailroom and this guy's like in charge of a division of the company. Like, they're so far apart. I can't remember a reason... And it kind of implies weird surveillance. Yeah. (laughs) It is odd. I have no idea. He just stops by. And then after like getting knocked over by Bumblebee, he's like, okay, that's fine. I'm leaving now. I'm leaving. That's all I wanted. And then he doesn't show up again later. Yeah. We never see him again. What? What was that scene for? Yeah. The first scene, normal. This scene makes it weird that we don't see him again. Yeah. So now Sam and his friends go hunt down the cosmonauts in a club. When John Turturro starts asking questions, the Russian pull weapons out. And Dutch goes crazy. Oh, just he starts beating people up. Does. This is where we find out about his deep-seated anger issues and his com- combat expertise. He has to like, be snapped out of it in order to not kill everybody. Yeah, and then he's like, oh no, did I do that thing again? Like, This is <laughs> <He's> such a <laughs> complicated backstory for a character that doesn't matter. It's so weird. It wouldn't have been weird if he had just been like, in control of himself, but also fighting. It's that thing where you feel like somebody thought it would be funny. Because actually, if the Russians hadn't pulled weapons, you wouldn't even need anyone to fight them off. Because as soon as Dutch is pulled off them, the Russians are like, oh yeah, let's show you some pictures that we took. Yeah, that somehow does not escalate things into a bloodbath. No, it doesn't. They just wanted a German to beat them up. That sounds sounds like Russians. Just brushing that off. They're totally cool with it. The Russians show them... I don't also know how they have these pictures, because... They would have had to steal these from, like, the Kremlin before they left. Oh, not only did they steal them, they carry them around Mm -hmm. still. Yes. Like, if you don't want to get killed, don't do that. Right. If you're secretly defecting to hide in America, maybe don't bring sensitive documents with you. Yeah. The Russians show them pictures taken of the dark side of the moon by Russian satellites before the U.S. got there that shows that the Decepticons took all but five pillars from the landing site. Do you know what this means? That the Decepticons have pillars. It was a trap! Oh Oh, no! Oh no! Oh no! They wanted them to do that! Yeah. Oh no! They wanted them to find Sentinel Prime. Yeah, I know. I I was like confused also until they were like, Oh no, it's a trap! And I'm like, I'm glad you said that because I would not have gotten that. Yeah. Why couldn't the Decepticons take all of them? and the sentinel prime they didn't take sentinel prime because they didn't have a matrix of leadership and therefore couldn't revive him they were counting see the decepticons play a deep game they were counting on a lot of things to fall into place especially since they didn't help the autobots actually find sentinel when they got there They kind of just waited around for Optimus to find him in his own time. and a long time. Sam surmises the rest of the plan was to take Sentinel, who's the only one who knows how to operate the space bridge, build the space bridge, and then get on with their nefariousness. So Sam alerts Nest, calls up Frances McDormand, like you do when -hmm. you have her number. He warns her what's going to happen, and then they're attacked by Decepticons on the highway. Not Nest, you might be thinking that the Decepticons were attacking Nest. They're not. They attack Sam and his friends. Everyone, Sam and his friends, and Optimus, and every, everyone, make it back to Nest, where Sentinel Prime reveals he made a deal with Megatron <gasps> a long, long time ago. J'accuse! Well, I guess I don't have to. He admitted. Yeah. Well, also, this didn't stop the Decepticons from shooting the ship down. The Decepticon shot the ship down? Yeah. Oh, plot hole. First one. Maybe. I'll let it go. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the Decepticons shot the ship down so that the Autobots would think it was gone, and then they took it to the dark side of the moon. Yeah. Although that still causes that, a lot of problems, nope, because Sentinel nope, would be stupid. dead. Yeah, still real dumb. I don't know. Sentinel kills Ironhide. Let's all take a moment of silence here. Oh, that's a guy that I... Heard of. He was the one where everything he said sounded like a catchphrase. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to miss him. He also destroys most of the interior of a nest building. Frances McDormand decides she's going to blame the whole thing on Optimus Prime and walks out. (laughs) Like any good leader does. Yes. Sam goes home to find Carly is still gone, which makes sense because she was going to dinner with her boss. Mm Mm-hmm. He goes to his parents... Who give him a relationship pep talk. Guess what, Sam? She's at dinner with her boss. She didn't leave forever. She went to dinner. As we see when he later tracks her down there. I don't know why we needed the relationship pep talk. Maybe they just wanted to admit how ridiculous it was that he was with another super hot lady. Kind of. I mean, his parents were like, if you dump this one, you're never getting another hot woman again. Yeah. Like, maybe not the values you should teach your son, but whatever. Which track records, yeah, not the best reason to stay, but track records show that he will absolutely get another (laughs) super hot girlfriend, because these are literally his two only girlfriends. The other girl that he made out with, also super hot, (laughs) even though she was a Decepticon. Yeah. Sentinel sets up the pillars around the Washington Monument. Megatron monologues his evil plan to a sniveling Starscream. Is there any other kind of Starscream? Well, there was. Not anymore. (laughs) So he's monologuing a lot, but we don't actually get a lot of specific details on what the plan is. But we do get Sentinel saying, On Cybertron we were gods, and here they call us machines. So many questions. Yeah. How were yeah. they gods on their own planet when that was all they had? That's yeah. like saying that humans are gods on this planet. There are only I mean Well at, at least we, th- we have animals we could lord it over. That's true. Even if they don't understand it fully. We there's nothing else but transformers on that planet. They yeah. can't be gods. You're just changing the definition of the word god to mean transformers. That's Especially all you're doing. Considering that some of you are tiny. Yeah. How are they gods compared to Sentinel Prime? Yeah. Also, on this planet we're just machines. Yes. Pretty you sure. are literally machines the way we are biological organisms. Yeah, like, That's just a definition. If you'll look closely at the definition of machine, I think you'll agree that you are one. Yeah. We certainly haven't enslaved them to be toasters and stuff. Like, the Autobots are respected members of the American military. Yeah. It, also, machines doesn't necessarily imply that you're not also sentient. Then we get to Patrick Dempsey having dinner with Carly. Sam shows up. Dempsey tells them that... His father worked for Decepticons. So again, we have this reference to people in the 50s and 60s working for Decepticons. Mm-hmm. He just inherited the problem. Oh, poor Dempsey. He feels so bad for him. He inherited a client. He doesn't even call them a problem. Oh, I thought he's... Well, there you go. So he's even worse. Yeah. Um, this also implies that the Decepticons are paying him. Yeah, it does, which is bizarre. Yeah. They try to escape, but Carly's car is a Decepticon. Oh. Sound wave. Which is funny because I would have thought, oh, wait, no. Shockwave, maybe, was the one with the pet. Oh. So confusing. But I'm just like, this, yeah. this is a hardworking Decepticon that he can both be somebody's full-time car <laughs> and go off and do missions. Yeah, so they drive away in it. He he transforms into himself and spits both of them out and then grabs Carly back and yes. then drives away with her. Yes. Yes. The Decepticons put a recorder... De- so, you know, he he's Sam has essentially been caught by the Decepticons. They put a recorder Decepticon on Sam's wrist, which disguises itself as a watch, and orders him to spy on the Autobots or they'll kill Carly. I think this was also the point where Patrick Dempsey makes his physical show of force with <laughs> Sam with a very mild slap. <laughs> so I, I should mention that a bunch of Decepticons came through... I don't think it's the space bridge, but maybe it was. They were a little vague on when the space bridge is fully complete and when it's not. It's weird because they do come through some kind of bridge, but then they act later like that wasn't the space bridge. Yeah, But a bunch of Decepticons come through and hide themselves all over the planet. So Decepticons are basically a force to be reckoned with right now sentinel prime uh, to be fair they always have been apparently that's why the autobots are on earth because well, yeah. they were so outnumbered no, i know and they're like now there's 200 decepticons here and i'm like it felt like there were 200 before though like this right. doesn't feel like a new when thing when did we ever run out of decepticons <clears throat> guys? Yeah. sentinel prime tells world leaders that transformers are going to mine our planet for resources until their world is rebuilt and they leave in peace sounds like a no-lose situation I wouldn't call that leaving in peace. Like, yeah. you leave in peace, once but you we won't be here in peace. Right, well, and once we've essentially destroyed your planet by removing all resources from it, yeah. then we're going to leave in peace. The one condition is that Earth, do the whole p- leaving in peace thing, not to this happening. It's happening no matter what. Okay. But they will leave in peace if Earth kicks out the rebel Autobots, which is Optimus Prime and his friends. Sam goes back to Nest. Totally welcome now. Francis McDormand welcomes him with open arms and asks if he has any more information. Totally cool with everything. The Decepticon watch keeps shocking Sam because he's supposed mm-hmm. to shock Sam if he tries to give away the game. He well, just keeps shocking yeah. him. Well, I think it's you can tell that Sam's like reluctant to be doing this. And he's like, remember that I'm a shock watch. Yeah, yeah. but it does make it really hard for him to be inconspicuous. while he's there. I don't know why he wasn't immediately arrested just for being weird. I don't know why no one realized that there wasn't a Decepticon on his arm if they've apparently been placing all these things outside of energon detectors. And also, I feel like you should be able to know that it's an Autobot anyway, or a Decepticon. Yeah. He goes to talk to Optimus before they leave about what his plans are. Optimus says they have none, they're going to leave, and that's that. They're going to leave on a spaceship, they say this is a spaceship that brought the second wave of Autobots to Earth. What? What? Yeah, it felt like some, Autobots could fly independently of yeah, spaceships. Some Autobots need need transport now through space. Also, I did not think that a lot of spaceships were like Reasonable. meant to be used twice. Yeah. When they come back down to Earth, they don't get used again. So Sam watches as the rocket takes off. And then it explodes. (gasps) Because the Decepticons, for some reason, the Decepticons want to spy on them to know what the plans are. But the plan was already to destroy them as they're leaving the atmosphere. So unless the plan was supposed to be implemented halfway between leaving and when they got blown up i don't know what the point of that was yeah unless it was to find out like oh we're not actually leaving which i feel like just by observing you could find that out yeah or like oh we're putting in a call to the legion of autobot soldiers we have i yeah yeah i don't know so sam goes to rescue carly now we're going to switch cities from washington dc where this has all been taking place to chicago I don't understand. They may have a perfectly good explanation in the movie that I just missed, but I don't understand how Carly got from D.C. to Chicago with Patrick Dempsey. I totally miss that this even happened. Chicago is where the Decepticons are setting up their space bridge. So this is the city it all have. They say repeatedly that it's Chicago. I don't know why we change cities, but we do. Yeah. Just so everyone knows, we're now in Chicago. Yeah. Sam goes back to rescue Carly, Tyrese Gibson, who has been working at this base, and he decides to go with him because he's angry about the Autobots being killed. So we show up in Chicago. Mhm. And this is now theoretically the beginning of the big final battle, right? You would agree with that? Yeah. We have an hour left in the movie. Yeah this is what made me split the viewing into two parts yeah. because I could not handle it. This is so bizarre on a pacing level that there's this much of the movie left. And yet there's a, the just feels like this is the last, I thought it was only going to be, you know, 30 minutes left and yeah. it was an hour. This is also when we get Patrick Dempsey explaining that the resources that the Decepticons are planning to mine from the world are actually human slaves. <laughs> Nice. He's talking to Carly, and he tells her this. I feel, personally, it would probably be better if they transport humans to their planet rather than the planet to our solar system. It does seem easier. However, what's their atmosphere like? And do they have any agricultural resources? That wouldn't change, though, if we were having to work on their planet. What do you mean? No, I mean There's no reason for them to transport their planet to our solar system, because for one thing, I can't even imagine what that would do to our solar system. I thought they were putting their planet on our planet, though. Like, I thought they were just bringing all the stuff from their planet to our planet. This was very poorly explained and confusing. For how much time they had to explain all this, I didn't really understand what was happening. I thought that they were just transporting the planet next to our planet, which would have really severe ramifications on our solar system. Yeah, I I thought that it was it was in our planet because that's why whenever the bridge started working, stuff started appearing in the sky. Oh. Well, maybe that well, maybe it is true. Anyway, human slaves. That's the <laughs> point. So the Decepticons start destroying the city and terrorizing the people as a sad song starts playing. Yeah, and I feel like this is not the best way to get a slave force going smoothly a smooth transition is probably not to go into the force that you want to have work for you probably like be healthy and stuff and just go shooting everything up and terrorize everyone and have them run away from you you should have posted sentinels outside of large populations so that nobody could flee from you and then not hurt everyone that you want to do manual labor for you I mean, you capture your slave force your way, they'll capture their slave force their way. I feel it's just a difference of opinion. You know what? I will. Oh, can you delete that part that I just said? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no one needs to hear that. I'm going <laughs> to follow through on that plan. <laughs> Sam and Tyrese show up at the building where... Carly's being held. I don't know how they know where she is, but they're very specific on knowing where she is. now that we're in a different city, I also don't know how that (laughs) happened. Yeah. This was the point when I had to rethink whether the whole whole first half of the movie was actually taking place in Chicago. But that's not true. It is news to me that any of it was in Chicago, (laughs) so they did a great job of that as well. Yeah. But just as they're trying to plan to get into the building, and Tyrese is like... No, it's pointless. You can't make it in, which makes me wonder why he's even there. Yeah, the Autobots show up, having taught Earth a valuable lesson about taking them for granted. Well, and in trickery. Yeah. Your leaders will now understand. Decepticons will never leave your planet alone. It turns out they hid on the first booster that dropped off before the rocket exploded. There's no way of explaining that. I mean, there, those are really hot. You would also, assume they would melt down, but know, whatever. It's, it's, it's fine. funny, though, because that's also way more info than I cared about. <laughs> but they explain it. Yeah. So just so we don't have to be curious. Sam and the Autobots prepare to rescue Carly and defeat the Decepticons using the element of surprise. The only way they'll win. <laughs> <laughs> that's one element they can't mine and take from us. <laughs> I wish they'd use that. <laughs> <laughs> The Decepticons, meanwhile, revel in their overconfidence. Megatron and Sentinel Prime bicker over who's in charge. And Megatron, I feel like, is not going to like where this winds up. Yeah. You know what, though? To be fair, he's missing, like, half his brain. He is. He's... I don't... He would never naturally be the leader in this case. No. Come on. A, you're damaged. B, you're not as big as the other guy. Whatever. Yeah. Sam sneaks into Patrick Dempsey's apartment, threatens him at gunpoint, and is thrown out the window by a Decepticon, but lands on an Autobot ship that's been hovering below window level, which rescues Carly and shoots up the apartment somehow without killing Patrick Dempsey, although they did appear to shoot up his suit. Did you notice it had a ton of holes in it? No, I didn't. So here's the thing. Maybe he had he's his jacket on a hanger or somewhere else and then put it on before he left. He's totally undamaged. Yeah. And yet there's lots of holes in his suit. There's no explanation for that. <laughs> Even if that was supposed to be flying glass shards, nothing on his face. No yeah. cuts. Nothing. He's not, yeah. Which then just makes me think that he's a Terminator. <laughs>
1: Except oh, even Terminator's
0: skin gets damaged. You're right? Oh man. Yeah. Patrick Dempsey runs off and warns the Decepticons that the Autobots are here and fighting back. Sam and his friends notify Nest about what's going on and you know where things are located in the city and all that stuff. We also get the word cupola said about twelve billion times in reference to how they'll know which pillar they need to take down. I don't know what this word is. I I literally had to look up the definition of it. Yeah, I guess everyone. But every other character uses it. Yeah, everyone else knows what that is. Yeah, in I, case you're I, wondering, I, it's, I don't know what it it's is. a small <laughs> dome, especially a small dome on a drum on top of a larger dome, adorning a roof or a ceiling. Listeners, if you know what this is and thought it was stupid that we didn't know, keep it to yourselves. Yeah. Don't care. Never heard this before, and that is literally the only way. They kept saying it back and forth to each other. (laughs) The one on the cupola. All of these military guys, they know know these architectures. And Carly. Carly was the first one. It's on the, the left cupola. Quick, guys, on the cupola. Like, it was everywhere. It was so confusing to me. So, a bit of a vocabulary lesson from Transformers 3. First time that's happened. Yep. Now we get the big final battle scene, which I'm mostly gonna summarize with a battle happens. Mm-hmm. Josh Duhamel refers to the Willis Tower, proving he's never lived in Chicago before. What is it really called? The Sears Tower? Nah, I've never heard anyone refer to it as the Willis Tower unless they're saying, "Did you know that the Sears Tower is technically called the Willis Tower?" <laughs> The battle also includes Optimus fighting Driller, Sam fighting Soundwave, Bumblebee fighting someone, Starscream dies, which is unfortunate, but only because I'll never hear the name again. He was an awful character. That was the best name. I know. It really was. At one point, Sam ends up with these blasters, is what they're called. Oh, yeah, on his hands. Yeah. I don't understand. They're like, oh, here, these are blasters. And they the Autobots give them this. Why do the Autobots have a weapon that is suited to a human hand? Well, yeah, and then why didn't they give it to nest agents, to Sam in previous battles, to... Yeah, I mean, the options are, like, you made it here, which opens up this whole... You've never made anything else here, mm-hmm. so that's weird. But its it was so bizarre to me, like, why did he slip it onto his hand? If they had just written it a different way, it would have made more sense. yeah. So Optimus is fighting Sentinel Prime, who says the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. How are we counting the many and the few in this situation? There are way more humans than there are Transformers. Uh, Well, we don't know that, to be fair. Well, there's billions of humans. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess I just like... I thought there were a lot less Transformers <laughs> than there keep appearing to be. Certainly on Earth, there's far fewer Transformers than there are humans. And nowhere has have they ever proven that there are more Transformers than humans. He What he's actually talking about is that there's more Decepticons, Decepticons than, than Autobots. Autobots exactly. But as soon as you say this, it's justification for Optimus to not agree with what he's saying. Although Optimus never makes this point, even though it's... Really obvious. Yeah, I think it's just so that the audience can think about, oh, that's something Spock would say. I guess so. Ness destroys the main pillar that's in the process of transporting Cybertron. Dempsey restarts the pillar. Even though Sam is there trying to stop him, he, once again, is just the worst at that. Yes. So Dempsey restarts it, and Cybertron continues to be transported. Carly taunts a wounded Megatron, which seems very unwise maybe (laughs) not the smartest thing to do it it works out for her though because she basically taunts him enough that megatron gets snippy about sentinel prime taking a leadership spot and goes to to fight him so sentinel almost defeats optimus yeah because she's saying like who do you think is going to be in charge dum-dum yeah when this is all over you are you serious yeah (laughs) Uh, and he's like, yeah, yeah, of course I will. Of course I will. And then somehow doesn't smash her out of anger. I know. I'm like, she she probably would have been killed just because she yeah. was the closest thing to him. He gets mad at Starscream for doing like, exactly <laughs> what he told him to do. Yeah. And like, then the plan doesn't work out. And it's like, you know that's your fault, right? For yeah. having a bad plan. Yeah. So Sentinel al- almost defeats Optimus Prime, only to be taken out by Megatron. And then Megatron tries to like make a deal with Optimus, to make things the status quo again, mm-hmm. like they were. And Optimus says no dice and kills Megatron. Sam also electrocutes Patrick Dimsey right now uh, ag- against the pillar, yeah. and the humans take he the pillar jumps out him into it. You think you're a hero? Huh? You think you're a hero? No. I'm just a messenger. The people who called you that aren't here to hear that. <laughs> also, what was what was the message? You're dead? <laughs> yeah, that was the act of a soldier, Yeah, not a messenger. Yeah. Anyway. So we go back to Optimus, who, after Megatron is dead, r- turns back to a wounded Sentinel Prime. All I ever wanted was the survival of our race. You must see why I had to betray you. You didn't betray me. You betrayed yourself. And then he kills Sentinel. It's kind of the most savage that we ever see Optimus Prime be. yeah, because he's murdering another prime. yeah, who possibly, I mean, now that every all the stuff is destroyed, might actually not be a threat to you anymore. So now the Battle of Chicago, we'll call it, <laughs> is over. We see a reunion between Sam and Carly, which we don't care about, because Carly is super duper boring, and I don't care about their relationship, but they're super happy to see each other, and then Bumblebee apparently has given up on Sam and Michaela and is on the Sam and Carly train now. Oh, he's still yeah. way too into this relationship business. <laughs> he uh, pulls a bunch of, like, Years. gear rings out of his <laughs> <Just>. Breast pocket? <laughs> his windshield his body breast pocket? yeah he's just like rum- rummaging around in there and he's like oh yeah here you go. and then sam was like oh man too soon buddy and i'm like now it's awkward that you're not going to propose yeah i know because she picks it up and she's like "Ooh, a ring i like it yeah and then he's like slow down slow way down Bumblebee. Yeah. And I'm like, you were gonna die to save her? I feel like you should just get married. Yeah, like, why not? Yeah. Like, you're gonna wait a year and try to top this moment? Yeah. Good luck. And her weird boss is dead. And Yeah. Then we get closing voiceover from Optimus Prime saying... Basically, the Earth is home. Cybertron is gone forever now, which I feel like we've heard before. We've heard all of this before. <laughs> Megatron we'll died forsake. before. Sentinel yes. <laughs> Prime died before. Everyone's died before. Yeah. We'll never forsake this land or its people, they say. Okay. I don't know why you're so invested in Except humans, guys. Fake them out and like just do yeah. it for the emotional yeah. manipulation. And then we get another Linkin Park credit song. They're keeping it consistent. That was still Linkin Park. Yeah, I looked it up to check it. Yeah, I know it didn't, but it was them. This movie was filled with three other songs that were bland and like soft pop rock, and Mm -hmm. they just—it was weird. Yeah, and they didn't seem to suit the movie at all. Well, do you know how long the credits were? They had time for a Linkin Park song, a Paramore song, another song by a band that I didn't recognize and didn't care enough to look up, and then a bit of the soundtrack. <laughs> That's how long the credits were. That's nuts. They were also long enough for a, an early credit scene, wherein we see more of what we saw a little bit of in the movie. Apparently. So John Turturro comes back, and he's, like, in the command center with Francis McDormand. And they had a hot night in Quantico once or something, which is the most unbelievable thing I've <laughs> ever seen in this yeah. entire movie. I kind of refuse to believe that John Turturro's character has had sex with anyone ever. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to picture that poor lady. <laughs> and then at the end, he's like, oh, I love you. i like... And she's like, arrest him. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so but like weird. smiling, like it's yeah. <laughs> it's fine. I like this. Right. No, no, you don't. Yeah. So apparently, five hundred and thirty-two cars, I think, were destroyed in this. Wow. Room. So he got them for free from insurance companies because they were all flood damaged. So the last movie was a critical failure not commercial, but critical failure. This was also a critical failure. But even though the last movie was terrible and this movie was terrible, it still had a budget of $195 million. Oh my goodness. And made a box office of $1.1 billion. I'm sorry. What was the box office? <laughs> 1.1 billion. Yes. So upsetting. <laughs> I just i just can't believe that there were enough people who thought yeah that last transformers movie was pretty good i want to go see this one there are so many people that thought that though <laughs> especially that live in china yeah y- you can't be that nostalgic for transformers after all of these movies have come out they also it just gets to the point where the action takes up so much time, it's just boring. I mean the plot is almost incomprehensible. The characters are no one anyone cares about. And then the action scenes are so long. It gets so boring. Yeah, I mentally checked out of the action scenes a lot. Yeah. And that honestly that happens with kind of the whole movie. You just check out at certain points because it's so long and there's nothing holding it together. Yeah. It's all just scenes of things happening, and like we said, so many of them don't even mean anything. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, this guy. You never know when you're actually going to need to remember that a character exists. Yeah, because when you look at the number of characters on this list that have defined and unique personalities... Versus the number of characters you actually need to remember because they're important to the plot. Yeah. And what's hilarious is that Patrick Dimsey was one of the blandest characters in the movie, and yet he was actually important to the plot. Yeah, I know. So we will return, of course, to Transformers, like we do at a later date. Mm-hmm. Because we can't miss out on Dinobots, which show up in the next movie. What are you saying to me? But, for now... We'll put it on pause. The next movie we're going to do is Jupiter Ascending. Starring Mila Kunis and Channing Tatum. A Channing Tatum with more of a beer gut than I want when you have that many shirtless scenes. Oh. He clearly didn't care about this movie. It was between other projects for him. Nice. And that's what's next on More is More. For more of our podcast, go to moreismorepodcast.com. To contact us, write us at moreismorepodcast at gmail.com.